Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn with Go Long. Hope you're doing great out there. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your life. I'll be joined by Jim Monis tomorrow for our regular scheduled podcast this week. In the meantime, figured I'd share uh, my conversation with Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell. Uh, hopefully you've had a chance to read our story at Go Long on Coastal Carolina and kind of how they've really built a powerhouse from scratch. Um, college football is a monopoly, let's face it. We know who's going to win every year. So I was just kind of fascinated by that dynamic on how a team – somehow tries to survive and thrive when we kind of know who's going to be in that playoff at the end of the year. And I think that down in coastal Carolina, Chadwell has really built up something that that could last. And this really could be football's version of the Gonzaga, a small school that finds a way to compete year in and year out. So um, if you can check that out and uh, be sure to subscribe seven a month, 70 a year, we're going to have a lot of stuff next week for the draft. You can get all the detail at golongtd.com. We're going to be Zooming throughout the draft, special guests, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, hope to see you there. Any questions, hit me up on Twitter, at Ty Dunn. Email golongtd at gmail.com. Here's my conversation with Jamie Chadwell. I don't even know where to start, Jamie. But I mean, when you first uh, when you first took over there at Coastal Carolina, you know what really was the state of the program, and and what kind of went through went through your mind on trying to rebuild this thing to get it to where it is today. Well, the the challenge was, you know, we were we were in a solid place coming from FCS. You know, the our previous head 
coach, you know, done a great job and, and he was still here. The challenge was when we made the move to FBS and you jump from 63 to 85, that sounds great. But, uh, you know, when after after 2016, we lost like, you know, 20-something seniors. So that 63 goes to 43. And then you can only sign, you know, 25. You know, they limit you. So then you're 43 to 25, you're, you're at 68, and then you lose 20-something more. Uh, and so to me, the biggest challenge was trying to catch up to that 85 in a league. The Sun Belt League is in a league that's really good. And um, used to, you could, like, flip a roster in a short amount of time. But now with the new signing limits and all that, that made it more challenging. And the hardest part to catch up is your is your up front, you know, your offensive lines and some of those and trying to just get those. And so I knew that was going to be the biggest challenge when I, when I got here. Not necessarily, the, you know, the discipline and all those things. I felt like we had a – internally there was a solid – program in place so there wasn't tons you had to do there it was more so what can we do to give ourselves a chance to win while we can pull from a recruiting standpoint because that was the biggest you know change from fcs to fbs is just one the recruiting the type of kid you're recruiting and then two who you're recruiting against you know you're recruiting against player people that have great facilities great tradition great resources and in the fcs you know we were probably we were arguably the top dog in the league for a long time you know topping salaries and all that name it and then you go from the top to the very bottom, you know, and, and uh, that, that was, you had to dig yourself out of that a little bit. And so that was mostly the plan is how do we, how do we put ourselves in position to win with what we currently have? And then how do we try to build on what we need to do from a infrastructure and all those things? And, you, you know, you have a long-term vision for what you want it to look like and where you want to get to. And then hopefully you hit right on some of your players, you know, when you get them. And, and uh, you know, I think we did hit on – Especially our first real class, you know, we we hit on some pretty pretty good ones that have that have play, paid dividends for us so far. I mean, you just nailed it too. I mean, you're you're smack dab in a like you know a really tough place to recruit with Clemson right there. I mean, the whole SEC. I know you're familiar with the area, obviously, with your background. I'm sure you had some inroads, but still, you're competing with some. You know, we're not we're not just talking about you know schools are all over the country. This this is the best of the best in the whole country. Where do you even start to try to convince a player to come over to Coastal Carolina when you got some of these other powerhouses kind of pulling at them too? Well, you know, the hard part about that is, I mean, the good part is, you know, we're in a great location. We've got a really quality school, good education, you know, good academic reputation. But the challenge is, especially today, is it's what you've done for me lately and what have you done at this level. You know, so no matter how good we were at FCS, but none of the kids care about that at FBS. You know, they want to help. They want to know what you're doing now and how you can get me where you want to go. And so for us, it was more so we just have to identify players that had a vision for themselves too and might might be under recruited, maybe not have the size or strength, but we felt like had the intangibles that want to be a part of our program and help us build it. And, and uh, you know, sometimes kids want ready-made stuff. You know, they want all the bells and whistles, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody's, everybody's going after that prettiest girl, right? Uh, you know, but sometimes that's not the best form for you. And so it was really identifying players that had the characteristics we were looking for that could see through the things we didn't have maybe and, you know, overcome the tradition we didn't have but say, hey, I want to be part of building that. Uh, and we are, you know, obviously we're an SEC country, ACC country, and then, with the with the programs we have that are in the Sun Belt that are in this area too, I mean, and then the not to mention Conference USA, and uh, I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of programs that have been around a long time. And so, what what's our niche had to be? And for us, it had we had to sell something that wasn't happening, but what was going to happen. Uh, I'm excited about going forward with that because I do think now that we you know played at a high level this year with limited 
you know, I say limited with, you know, maybe not as good resources as other people. Not, I'm going to say limited is probably not the right word, but it's helped showcase to these future recruits, hey, look what they're doing and look what we're capable of. And um, But you have to find the right ones, and you can't hold out for, well, we need this to win. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we're not that way. We just have to find the right people, and then we'll figure it out. And that's how we sort of did it. I love it. I mean, what is that niche then? What are those characteristics that – that you could sell then, like when you're sitting down and, and talking to some of these recruits? Well, for us uh, in our program, we uh, our, four, our, our four core values of program are competition, discipline, accountability, and passion. So every time we sit down and we look at a recruit, uh, you know, you obviously see if you have some talent, but we're, are they competitive? Uh, are they living with discipline every day? That shows up in their, their work ethic. That shows up in their grades. That shows up in, you know, how they are. Are they accountable? And they're passionate about the sport of football. Football's hard. And so – we try to live that every day as coaches and, and model that. And then we, we build our program based off of those values. And that's what the values that we want to show up. Uh, and then as you're going out selling those, they say, Hey, this is what we want you to come here. We're, we're hoping we're going to win X, Y, Z, but more importantly, these are the values that you're going to learn while you're here. And when you're done here, no matter if you're a professional player, you're going to be a professional something one day, these values, these characteristics, those are what are going to sustain you. Those are what's going to help you become uh, an important part of your com- uh, community and make an impact on the people that you're around as a father, as a husband. And because those values last, I believe that those last. If you understand what those values are, then you know how to you know how to be successful. And so that's what we sell to. And uh, you know, all the other things are you know, as I said, the location, all that. That's more of the overflow. Those are nice, but you come here for for the experience and the learning that you're going to have. It's going to help prepare you, and that's how we do it. Definitely. Who were some of those early recruits then that, that really helped you build this thing? Then when you think back and you had these conversations, were there, you know, two or three guys you can point to? Make, those are the guys that really got us, got us to where we are today. Well, you know, uh, since I got here, you know, I, I think for the success we had this past year, we had a lot of fifth year guys uh, or, you know, fourth year seniors that, that just got, you know, beat up for three, four straight years, 2017, 2018, 2019. And that, and have been told they weren't good enough, and and they wanted to win. I think some of the younger guys that, as I was making the transition to head coach, you know, we signed the quarterback, you know, Grayson McCall, and he also had an unbelievable year. But he was that 19, my, you know, basically my my first year season. He was a freshman that year. So somebody like him, a CJ Maribel just left. He came in uh, as a transfer from PC. You know, they 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 lowered their program. And he bought into what we were doing, and, and he obviously ended up being a really good player for us. And then I think defensively, uh, I think what was big is you look at a Jeff Gunner was here, and then he left to go to NC State. And then he decided to come back even after we went 5-7 and seven in 2019. He saw the direction our program was going, and he wanted to come back here and be a part of building what we're doing. And even though he got here before and then left, but he he chose to came to come back, and by him coming back, you know that helps solidify our defense. And I think I think people like that, you think, hey, those those guys helped set a, a good foundation for us as we're going forward to build it. And uh, Javon Holly came in in 2000, you know, 18 when you know we were trying to build something, and he had other opportunities, and he's our top receiver, and yeah. you know one of those things. So those are guys that I think of that have helped make an impact that could have went other places, but they bought into what we were trying to do. No, no doubt, and you had those moments too early on. I'm trying to think back. Like, you had a big win over, was it Kansas? Was that the first power, power five, power six win that that Coastal Carolina's ever had? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that'd Do be that a big moment. I mean, yeah, that was. 
a lot of close games that year too. I mean, I think you're five and seven, but it's you, you see that competitiveness early on that kind of speak to just the fabric of a of an organization of a program. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know we were truth be told, if we had those intangibles the whole time, we'd have probably seven and five or eight and four that year. We had we lost five games. We were, we lost five games by a total of twenty four points. Jeez. So you know, if you have that discipline or you are accountable in all things, those five, those 24 points could have turned the other way. And so our whole thing this year was actually 24. What were we going to do to overcome those 24 points? And mm-hmm. our team completely bought into those values and, and living by that. And, and I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer. We had the, basically the same team from 19 to this year. Now the quarterback obviously played. He was he was pretty good, you know. But it's basically the same team. You know, we added a couple pieces here or there. But – uh, it was the ones that were here, the majority of the guys, the foundation said, no, this is this is how we're going to do things. I, we want to win, and we're going to do what's necessary to do it. And so you jump from 5 to 11, and, and that's because you do take advantage of those little things, and I think they bought into that completely. And, and so I feel good about our program going forward. Uh, I'm not telling you we're going to be top 15 every year. I, I'm not saying that, but I know that foundation's strong now, and so they believe in what it needs. They know what it takes to win games here. Yeah, I mean, you, you you proved it against you know somebody that could be the first or second player picked in the draft. I mean, how how did you do it that day? I mean, we all watched it. That might have been the game of the year. Uh, obviously, you beat the crap out of them. You guys were physical, uh, but how how did you guys really take it to Zach Wilson to BYU and that that game that win this past season? What did it mean for the program? Well, I think one we knew one we had to limit you know how many times he was on the field. So our whole game plan from an offensive standpoint was try to play keep away. You know that was one of them. And then two, we wanted to be physical. And then what they typically did, they blew people out early. You know they most of their games they were they were blowing people out. They hardly they I think they had one game that was a game in the fourth quarter, and that was Houston throughout their season. And so we we knew if we could survive the onslaught early play a little keep away we felt like we could hang in there with them and and uh you know we played a good game and our defense our defense was physical we didn't give up just the big plays they had to earn those things and then offensively we scored enough kept the ball enough I think we kept it almost 40 minutes so he was out there only 20 minutes and so um and so that helps you know help keep him off the field and then you know you give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter and thankfully they didn't have another timeout left or that you know they, they got the one they went basically 92 yards and needed to go 93 I think so it was uh and he was a heck of a player but um you know to get get ready for a game in a short amount of time like that is what we had um you know you really had to go back to what your identity is and you know we try to be physical on both sides of the ball control line of scrimmage and, and hopefully not turn it over and if you you know that game that's what we did yeah, I mean, did you see all those values that, that you were preaching, you know, day one kind of come to life that, that night? 100%. Yeah. 100%. They, they, they competed every snap. You know, we had no penalties from a discipline standpoint. Everybody was accountable for their job. And I think if you watch that game, if you weren't a fan, you know, you'd say, man, that team plays hard. They lay it on the line for each other. You know, and that's what passion is. You know, and our guys played hard uh, for a purpose. You know, and I think if you – you got to play hard for – Winning's not enough. There's got to be something substantial. And no game your own winning's winning's awesome. But I, I think you're, when you're playing for something bigger than that, that's why you lay it on the line, and that's what our team showed. I think throughout the season, but that game, especially for the country, everybody took notice of it. You get out of that game, Jay. I mean, it's like, I mean, are, are, is there a party that's like, man, give me Ohio State, give me Notre Dame. I mean, give us that <laughs> shot. Let's go. You know, it was uh, it was a pretty special day, and then you you feel like you put yourself in position to maybe earn a. Um, 
you know, a New Year's Six game. We we felt like we put ourselves through our regular season in a position to to uh, you know go over Cincinnati because of our, our record and et cetera. Uh, you know, our all the stuff that they look at and. And so we were. We're like, hey, look, put us in there. Let's go see what we're about, you know. And it obviously didn't work out from that standpoint. But, um, but yeah, we were floating pretty high after that game. There's only so much you can you can do. You only get so many opportunities at at Coastal Carolina. You know, you get you know one or two game of those games a year, if that, right, to just show the world and improve yourself beyond your conference. It's I can't imagine the pressure, you know, as as a player, of course, but as as a coach to. You know, every other team in every power conference, I mean, you got a whole season to kind of show what you can do. What's the mindset like? All right, we got, we don't have a lot of those opportunities to kind of break through and get to that national stage and prove that we deserve those bowl games. Yeah, I mean, that is different here. You you, you don't get any leeway, obviously, because no, most people know you. And, and we took advantage of COVID. We, you know, this year, I think we had, we had 12 games. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I think 10 out of 12 were on national television. That's true. Ten times this year, you know, we, Coastal Carolina was able, on some form of national TV, uh, and people got to showcase, you know, they got to see about our brand. But, you know, we got ranked, I think, after Louisiana week four or whatever it may be, maybe after week three, I can't remember. And I told her guys, hey, listen, here's the deal. We lose one time, it's done. We're never going to be ranked again. That's just the way life is. We could, It didn't matter, you know. And so I, I've tried to be upfront and honest, you know, place, this doesn't happen at to teams like us, you know, now I know COVID was different because there wasn't as many teams playing. So that helped. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I knew that, you know, and you get one shot to try to stay in that limelight. And the only way we were going to stay in it was to keep winning. And then the, then the, uh, you know, we're winning. We beat Louisiana on national television. That was a big one. Then we keep playing. We keep doing stuff. And then the BYU game being the game day falling in your lap. And I think that, that just sort of solidified the whole season for us from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, really, you know, for at least this year, hopefully next year, but made us the darlings of, of college football because it was it was unexpected. We were fun to watch. You know, we were wrestling in the locker rooms and all those different things <laughs> that people saw. But I think it, I think what it did is it brought some joy to, during a during a downtime. Whether you were a fan of us or not, yeah. watch football, and usually it was a pretty good game. There was excitement. Uh, it was unique, you know, and 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 you know everybody was landing on the line. So I think that I think we garnered a lot of fans outside of our region just that didn't know much about us, but saying, "Man, those Shauna Clears, I love watching them play." Yeah, and, and you kind of referenced it here a few times, Jamie, like that that specific type of player that you recruit that you find that you want for your program because you know you can't maybe go to South Florida and get the dude with the four three speed that everybody wants. So what what are what what are you looking for? Who who is that player that you can really keep building with? Well, we'd love to have the four three, no doubt. You know, yeah. uh, and and that's what you push for. You're pushing for the best possible one, but they have to make sure they fit. What I do as a head coach is make sure I tell our coaches they got to make sure they fit the culture that we expect. And there's certain expectations. You know, our standards high, and I tell people it's not easy here. You know, we're not going to let you just come and cruise. You know, you're going to help be held to a high standard. Now we're going to have fun, but you're going to be held accountable for you know for your actions. That's part of being a man. That's part of our philosophy of being a man. And uh, and so for us, yes, we love certain size or certain speed, but also I don't hang our hat on that because I know ideally if if me and our team's recruiting somebody and the school X is recruiting, we're probably going to go to school X if school X is a power five school or has more tradition right now. And so we got to make sure we find that niche of those guys that really want to be here and see. They got to see the value that we bring to them. Hopefully we see the value they bring to us, but then they got to see the value we bring to them, you know, and, and we don't try to fit in a box, you know. I think you get everybody has a sort of a standard they'll compete to, right? As far as 
certain sizes and things. And, and don't get me wrong, we have that, but we also are realistic to know yeah. we take the best fit for us player-wise that, that loves to play. I think football is so much harder today, so much pressure, social media and all those aspects. You got to find somebody that really loves to play the sport of football. I mean, loves it, loves it, loves it. Not not enjoys recruiting, but loves that. And so we really spend a lot of time on those. Gets finding you know what makes them tick. That's such a good point. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to guys, even in the NFL, and they admit like they they're just good at football. You're right. They don't, they might not love it, and it sounds cliche. We just assume everybody loves it if they're. It's not true though. Like it is hard to find that dude who really does eat, sleep, breathe this stuff day in and day out. Yeah, and the majority don't. And and but you can be really good at it and still, you know, make a good career out of it. That's just how gifted some people are. But majority of us aren't that gifted, right? So uh you better have a, a love, a passion for it and, and and I agree. It's hard. I mean it's that's, I mean football is the only sport in the world where you, you train more than you play. I mean if you look at soccer, if you look at baseball, you look at tons of games all the time. Yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong, they train for it, but you know, their training is playing pickup games. That's, you know, that's easy. You can't play pickup football, you know, and so you got to put the pads on and you got, and that's a challenge. And you're doing it in the hottest part of the, the time, right? Throughout the summer and all that. And so, but that's what makes it so special because the, the commitment and sacrifice it actually takes to become a really good player, whether it's high school, college, and professional. Um, that's why the bond is so strong because you have to go through so much pain and so much uh, sacrifice to, to, to reach a goal or reach something that you want to accomplish. And I think that's why you see the bonds that you do, unlike any other sport uh, in the sport of uh, football. Any telltale signs you look for when you're talking to these guys and, and building this thing up? Like, I, any tells? Like, I, this, this guy, he, he might not really love it as much as this guy. I think you got to – I mean, I think you have, you have to ask some pointed questions about what they love about Like, or, hey, why do, why do you do football? What's, you know, that's one of the questions. Hey, tell me why you play, you know, and then I'm good at it. Well, that's not a good answer because then you know there's not – you know, some of them say, hey, coach, I love the hitting. I love the physicality. I love the – you know, some will say I love the bond of the teammates, you know. Then then you know they're in there for the right reason. But I've had several say, hey, I'm good at it, and that's always a red flag because you're not going to be the best when you get on campus. You know, your good's not going to be good enough at some point. Now, some kids are just so good at it, right? They're just, you know, your your freak athletes that are just, okay, they can maybe ride that for a while because they're just so gifted naturally. Majority of people aren't. And so those are some of the questions that you ask. And I always try to find out, you know, what's adversity you went through and how would you respond to it? Because if they've not been through any adversity at all, they're going to face it in, in football. You're going to face it whether you might not be playing, you might get hurt. There's a lot that goes on with that. And uh, I always want to see how they respond to that adversity. If they said, hey, I went through this, and they can explain it to me, I think that's a positive. If they've never went through any, then for me that's always perks my ears up because then does that mean that mean it's been easy for them or, you know, if they just lived a, a charmed life? Because all of us went through something. And anybody stand out, anybody specifically, you know, when you had that conversation, like, man, this guy gets it. This is somebody yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, like one of our one of our – Offensive lineman here, Trey Carter. I mean, he he if he could if he could wake up and play football the rest of his life, he'd do it. You know, he just loves it. I mean, he can just the whole everything about it, the grind, the the, the teammate, the camaraderie. He he just he enjoys it so much. And you know, and he's a guy you think about when you think about those things that just loves the sport of football because they they're always doing the extra little things to make it great, and they want their teammates to be great. So he's somebody that sticks out to me. Love it. Love it. I mean, there's just something in the water out there day to day. I mean, is there anything that we missed that, that you guys are doing that 
may, might just be different as you try to really punch through and, and take this program to the next level. You know, I don't, I don't know if we're doing anything different. The, you know, the thing that we try to do, I think, is coaching staff, you, you know, and you've probably been around this, around the sport. You, you either you either motivate out of fear, you motivate out of love, right? That's basically the two mm-hmm. coaches there are. And, and, and uh, I've been around both, and both have worked. You know, here at, we work hard on trying to love our players every day. It doesn't mean it's easy. It uh, doesn't mean we're not on them. But I think if, if you build strong relationships with young people and they know, they generally know, hey, this, this guy cares for me off the field, then I think that creates a, a strong bond and a chemistry among your team. And then if you have that, then maybe you're not as talented as other people, but your culture is so strong that it helps you to win some games you shouldn't. You know, I'm not saying we're doing that differently than other people, but that's how we try to build it. And I think our players know that, hey, I am loved, not because I'm fast or tall, because some of the our young people – They've been maybe so good at football, people just let them have a pass because they're good, you know, and they've never been held accountable. And I think if you love something, you hold it accountable, right? I believe that. And um, that's what we try to do, and I think our players recognize that, and they know that their experience here is, is going to be appreciated. I appreciate what they have to go through to be a college It's hard, and I, I think people want to be appreciated, just like coaches want to be appreciated, right? And so I think if there's an appreciation for what they have to go through, I think that makes your – your, your team better and that maybe they can overcome some of their physical deficiencies because then you're, you're playing for a common purpose. Such a great point, man. I don't have your schedule right in front of me. Is there one you got circled on the calendar? They're all circled. Yeah. They're all circled. Cause uh, guess there's what? Gotta we're be circled. One. There's gotta we're be circled one. for them this year. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. We're, we're circled for them. So they all got to be circled for us. We, we, we're, we're, we, we, we don't overlook anybody. We can't, you know, we have to win games because we, we have to play with an edge and a chip to go out and prove ourselves. And so this year, this year, it's going to be about that. But uh, you pick up the phone and give uh, Saban a call, you know, Dabo, come on guys, let's go. Let's, let's, let's set this if the up. Che- if the check's high enough, we'll go. <laughs> The check's out enough. You got a number? Just put it out there. Yeah, so the check's out enough. I won't mention that right now, but if they want to pay us pretty high, we'll do that. So.